Hello and welcome into Coach's Corner. The date is August 10th and it is a uh, Wednesday afternoon or morning or whenever you're listening to this. And I'm pleased to bring you a new show. <clears throat> and you might be wondering what were we going to talk about with not a whole lot to talk about. Uh, we got a couple things and we'll start off with the Bears with linebacker Roquan Smith. Uh, we got some MLB scores. Um, and I have my way too early um, top 10 teams for both conferences and the NBA. And so we'll get to all that stuff and have a good show here. So without further ado, let's do it. Hello and welcome into Coach's Corner. Like I said, the date is August 10th. It is a Wednesday. And I am your host, Lucas Kochevar, as always. And not a whole lot of topics still. I'm still waiting for some preseason stuff um, to get into. However, we do have a big breaking news, I think, at the top of the show here. And I've talked about the Bears being kind of a joke of a team for the past couple shows. I mean, the, the Monday show was literally named The Bears stink and it just you know when it rains it pours and chicago's lost multiple receivers to due to injury and they might be losing a linebacker now due to wanting to not be in chicago anymore and roquan smith is that guy and roquan smith like i said is one of the few bright spots i think on the bears just based on of how fun he is how much of a leader i think he is and a good player for this bears defense um, the Georgia alum finds himself now in a situation where he wants out of Chicago. And that's mainly because he said that the franchise doesn't value him. Um, the new regimen or regimen doesn't, you know, respect him. And obviously the bears are one of those teams where obviously they had a big overhaul in the off season. They brought in a lot of new guys and Roquan Smith is a guy looking to be paid now. And linebacker, the market is a very weird market right now. I think one of the least valuable probably in the league because there's so many, but not many are better than Roquan Smith. And he finds himself now wanting a new contract, wanting big money, and the Bears don't want to do that, which is weird for a team that's going to be have like the most salary cap in the NFL next offseason. But yeah, Roquan Smith does not want to be in Chicago anymore. And there's multiple places I think he would love to be where it's like not Chicago, <laughs> just based on that simple fact. And like I said, there's not a lot of linebackers that are better than what Roquan Smith is. And, you know, I think you got teams like, you know, um, Seattle would probably be willing to take him. The Rams would love to have him. The Falcons should probably, you know, call him up. Multiple guys around the league should be on the phones right now trying to get a hold of Roquan Smith and his agent. Um, just based simply off the fact that he's a really good player and you want to have really good players on your team. So, yeah, that's a big development there. Like I said, he's kind of a throwback linebacker, Roquan is, but with in the sense that he's just a really good tackler, he, he is still really fast. Um, he was really fast coming out of college, just always has had that like burst of speed and instinct 
that uh, most Georgia linebackers, at least the leaders, seem to have. And I don't think there's any reason why he shouldn't be paid. And, I mean, he's still obviously young, relatively young, looking. He's going to be cheap this year. If you extend him, maybe you can, you don't have to pay him, like, all the money at the back end. There's a lot of reasons why Roquan Smith should just be a bear. And he should be signed long term. Because, I mean, you let go of every other defensive player and, like, all the older guys, quote-unquote. And now you have a young guy who, you know, frankly probably wanted to be there, but now finds himself wanting to be not there. So maybe it's a culture problem, and that's a hard thing to say because they just are trying to establish a new culture with new guys in charge in Matt Eberflus and Ryan Poles, but... You know, that's just an un, unmovable object meets an you know inseparable force or something. I, I'm not <laughs> I'm bad at I'm bad with saying sometimes, but yeah, Ro- Roquan Smith wanting to be out of a team that probably doesn't want to trade him. Two very tough things there. A lot of trade talk kind of where teams are just like, No, we're not gonna trade you. We're just gonna hold on to you and you're just gonna either sit out a year and lose a lot of money or you're gonna play and you're gonna play for us. So We'll be interested to see, especially now that we're like close to the season, like we're, you know, three, four weeks away, like a month out from preseason here, under a month now, or from the regular season. And star linebacker wants out, and we'll be curious to see maybe during the tr- you know season he plays, and during the trade deadline we see some action with him. But yeah, that's a big news coming out of Chicago for a big defensive player, big defensive leader in the middle there. So that was like the big NFL news I wanted to touch on. Um, not a whole lot of other things. The Browns are scared that their return man, um, Pro Bowl return man, um, Jakeem Grant tore his Achilles, which is really brutal. Sean McVay got a contract extension coming off of a Super Bowl. I'm sure that contract will be very high and maybe the best in the league for a person that is likely the best player in the league when it comes to that. And um, Cam Smith, Cam Smith uh, won, I believe, the last the last big major. Um, he finds himself going to live tour, and he's the number two ranked player in the world. So that's a big deal for a player. You know, a lot of these guys have been kind of older, washed up kind of PGA guys, or um, you know, people that are not, you know, frankly, in the contention with a lot of these young guys in the PGA, kind of going over to live. But Cameron Smith is in a very young golfer, a very highly touted golfer these past couple years and or past year at least. And he finds himself going to live tour. So that's a bit, I think that's a big loss there for PGA. And I don't know, that's another, another name, another domino off the you know list for live to poach from the PGA. And so another big name there. And that's really the big news. We have the Little League World Series happening. Saw some of that today. <laughs> a lot of, um, I guess, fun baseball. I don't know. It's uh, They're all kids, so it's like kind of fun to watch, but it's like, you know, the game's not good because they're all kids. But what can you do? It's fun to watch some kids kind of grow up. It's crazy how some of them are just so much longer and just bigger than a lot of these other kids. Like, very lanky, tall, athletic kids here and there. And then there's your little, like, Basically, everyone that's normal-sized for a 12-year-old is there. So, 
Um, but you do have your freaks in nature. And like one, one of the pitchers was like probably five, five, eight and throwing like probably 70 miles per hour. And everyone else is what? Like five, 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 four. <laughs> and like there, no one's touching close to even like 60, but you know, shout out to that kid. And I think, Oh, what team was he on? I think he's on Kentucky. Kentucky or Indiana, one of the teams that advanced from, um, I guess, the central or area. But, yeah, Little League World Series. Very fun. So with that, I'm going to transition and go into this. You know, I thought I'd do an NBA top 10. I was talking about it in a group chat. You know, people were kind of laying out the cases for certain teams. And I threw together this list here of the 10 teams because, you know, that's really what matters going up to the play-in. Um, those 10 teams are really the teams. You don't need to worry about the bottom feeders, really. They're just, you know, try, trying to get Victor Wimbanyama, who is an absolute star. Uh, he's going to be the number one pick, pretty guaranteed. But these 10 teams, I think, are pretty much like the 10 best unanimous. And I don't think there's really, it's, it's hard to say for the East because there's a couple teams that could really buy, be viable for that last couple spots. And also, we, like I said, don't know where Kevin Durant's going. So this list could change with Kevin Durant's movement, but, you know, assuming Kevin Durant doesn't play for the Nets anymore, I think this is a pretty safe list. Um, I'm going under the assumption that Kyrie does play. I don't know why, I don't know why, but I just I have a feeling he doesn't want to sit anymore for compared to what he has been sitting the past couple of years. But without further ado, I'll go into the West. The Western Conference... I think it's a conference that really is the top, mm, I'd say the top seven, six seeds maybe. And then the rest are just god-awful fighting for relevancy. Um, Or, you know, there's like your in-betweeners there with the Pelicans and T-Wolves. But my number one seed, the team that I believe will be the best in the Western Conference, the Los Angeles Clippers. Now, the Los Angeles Clippers are a year removed from or their last season. They were bounced from the play-in game against the Pelicans. And you might be wondering, how do they go from that to the first seed? I'll tell you, faithful listener. The Los Angeles Clippers are much better coming into next season than they were last season. First things first, they're getting Kawhi Leonard back. Perhaps one of the better players in NBA history um, towards ACL in the playoffs last off like two seasons ago now, I guess, but he took off the year he's coming back fully healthy. I think he's been moving to five on five. So he's basically playing basketball now. He'll probably be, you know, the guy in Los Angeles to lead the, you know, his team compared to a different LA team to the promised land. And I mean, him being healthy, I think, makes the difference between being a playing team and the first seed in the conference. I really do believe that. And then Paul George is also going to be healthy. He had a big injury last year where he kind of missed a very large handful of games. Um, but now he finds himself, you know, have another offseason under his belt to hopefully go and be healthy. And now he can help the Clippers contribute right away. And he can really be a difference maker there as one of the better two-way players in the league. And we might get a healthy duo of Kawhi and PG. And that's might be all what the Clippers need. They were the second seed 
when they did it during the COVID year. Obviously, things didn't align the past couple of years with them being healthy together, but they're back. And the thing about the Clippers is they have so much depth. They signed John Wall, who is you know hasn't really played meaningful basketball in three, four years. So maybe you know him getting a motivational push here by being a contender will help him. You have Reggie Jackson, who was their best player last year, frankly, for the whole year. Um, Norman Powell, Robert Covington, two wings off the bench that are really good. Luke Kennard led the league in three-point shooting uh, last year. You have uh, Zubat at center, who is really just, you know, really just a big force. Not really good, not really bad, but just big. And then you have Morris, who is not, hasn't been really good these past couple years, but maybe he turns it on in a meaningful season. And Tyron Lue's a great coach. Tyron Lue, I think, is pretty underrated because he had LeBron, so people kind of think he's, you know, bad, but. I don't know. I think he's better than advertised. And so you have him on the team, you know, coaching the team. Uh, you got a number of other guys that are leading it. You know, I, I just, I think the Clippers have all the makings of a top seed in this league. My second seed, I have the Denver Nuggets. I think the Denver Nuggets are a second seed team because they're getting back also two healthy players in Michael Porter Jr. and um, Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray missed all of last season with an ACL. Michael Porter missed a lot of it with a back injury. Both are having a healthy offseason, and I think their offseason was also very sneaky where they added Bruce Brown, who is a great player for the Nets you know, as a role player. Uh, you have guys like you know, Bones Highland, who looks to improve this offseason. Contavious Caldwell-Pope they traded for, who I think is a better wing than what they had running into last season. I think he's really, Contavious Caldwell-Pope I think is the X factor that can really bring this team together and help them in shooting and playing good defense on the wing where Jamal Murray doesn't have to. I just think that fits one of the better fits of this offseason where a team player going to a new team. And then you have Nikolai Jokic, who's the MVP. Two-time MVP. Nikolai Jokic, I mean, there's nothing more he can say about him. He's an incredible player. He's one of the best offensive players, I think, in NBA history at this point. For a big man especially, he passes like a point guard. Uh, he shoots like a you know really good percentage. Has a good touch around the rim. You know, defense can be better, but he's improved that, I think, in the past couple seasons. But... Still, he's just a really, really good player, obviously, and it's an MVP level player, two time MVP. And I don't think that gets talked about enough, but he is a stud and he should be respected. Um, the next team I have is the one seed from last year, the Phoenix Suns. And the Phoenix Suns are an interesting case because. You know, going from a one seed winning 60 games to getting blown out by 40 in game seven of the playoffs to the Mavericks, that's a really tough look. And then you add in the DeAndre Ayton drama they had this offseason, and you think about are they going to trade half their team for Kevin Durant? You know, I don't. There's a whole bunch of questions about the Suns. And I think for that reason, it's just going to be a lot of distractions. A lot of things are going to, you know, not be. 
as peachy as it is going into last season, Chris Paul is a year older and he's 37, going to be 38 probably now. That's not a good sign. And Chris Paul being your second best player in this stage of his career is not a good sign. Devin Booker is about as good as you can get when it comes to a superstar. However, I think it's kind of proven that I don't know if he can carry this team really by himself. Because Chris Paul, like I said, is aging. DeAndre Ayton needs to be spoon-fed his points. You know, you hope Cam Johnson maybe makes a step forward. You hope Mikael Bridges really comes into his own, maybe scores 15 or plus, averages that. But outside of that, you know, I don't. There's a whole lot of question marks about this team, and I think oh, there's a lot of pressure coming on. You know, into the season after being embarrassed last year, and it'll be very interesting to see how they handle that pressure if they crumble to it if they move deandre Ayton as soon as they can if kevin durant finds his way there there's just a whole lot of questions about this team that need answering but um yeah no i think the suns are in a very interesting spot yeah i still think they're going to be a good team you know questions aside i mean regular season team i think they're one of the better built teams for that playoffs is when it gets tricky but you just have to get to the playoffs first. So give me the Suns in the three seed. The four seed, I have the reigning champs, the Golden State Warriors. And you can make an argument that they could be a top three seed. I can totally see that. However, I think the Warriors are going to be kind of coasting through the season. I think, you know, last season they had a lot to prove. They had a lot to prove because Clay Thompson was coming off his big injury. Draymond Green really was on a team that wasn't competing. Andrew Wiggins had to prove that he was at least worth his contract. Jordan Poole just had to play you know, quality minutes. And Steph Curry normally just always has to prove something to someone. So <laughs> the Warriors came in with a lot to prove. And frankly, obviously, they backed up that talk. Steph Curry won his finals MVP, finally. Klay Thompson's a champion again. Draymond Green's a champion again. Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins are going to get big contracts. Kevon Looney was a big piece. And the thing is, I don't know if they got better, but I don't think they got worse. You know, I certainly don't think they got worse. I can't think of anyone off the top of my head they lost that really was like a difference maker, per se. Um, Gary Payne II is the only guy that comes to mind. And they replaced him with, I think, a, you know, I'm trying to remember. Oh, they. I mean, the thing is about the Warriors is they still have a bunch of young guys. I, that's what I forgot is they have Moses Moody, who's a rookie. Out of Arkansas, Jonathan Kuminga, who's a rookie out of the G League, both played minutes during the season, and obviously they didn't look perfect, but they showed flashes that you could only hope to have on your team. And hypothetically, they can replace the production from Wiggins' pool if they leave eventually next season, but they might be able to replace that production this year that Gary Payton had. And they also have James Wiseman, the former number two overall pick, who at center is a big guy can can shoot a little bit and didn't get to play last year because he was hurt. So, you know, you bring in a big guy, like, I mean, basically you're bringing in a guy like that, even though he was already on your team, you're bringing in some rookie guys that, you know, going into their sophomore and junior years, look to really make that leap to rotation pieces or starter level pieces. And I mean, with that, the Warriors could find themselves, like I said, right back at the top and could be a finals team again. And I think, 
you know, for as older as they are getting, I think you have to acknowledge that. I mean, they still look good that last season. You know, Clay Thompson wasn't the same Clay Thompson, but he was still scoring 20 points, you know, here and there. Steph Curry, obviously, I don't think is anywhere. Draymond Green's the only one you can argue is like way over the hill. But then you have Andrew Wiggins stepping up, who played his best ball. Jordan Poole played his best ball. You know, I just, the Warriors just seem like a unit, and the team is built really good. But they just have energy of like a you know Tampa Bay Buccaneers Tom Brady team where. They're the champs. They come into the season, you know, feeling pretty good. They know they're going to be a good team. When they need to turn it on, they will. However, it's just they're all vets, and they've all been through the grind, and they understand that's a grind, so they're not going to really try that much during the regular season. And so they'll find themselves in the four seed. You know, probably, maybe Steph goes through a cold streak where he loses some games because he's just not shooting well. You know, stuff like that can happen. That'll set the Warriors back. However, I mean, like I said, they're the reigning champs. They're the reigning champs, and they're going to be that for a whole other year now, and that's for a reason. They are that good. So don't sleep on the Warriors, but don't, I wouldn't say fear the Warriors as much during the regular season. Now, postseason, that's a whole different animal. And the next team I have is a team that I think really could be flip-flopped with. It's... um, you know, next team in the sixth spot, the Dallas Mavericks. Now, the Dallas Mavericks are a year removed from going to the Western Conference Finals, a big step for them and Luka. Um, and they added a really big piece, I think, in Christian Wood. However, they lost a big piece in Jalen Brunson. And they're not superstars or anything. You know, they're not stars, I'd even say. But quality starters are hard to find in the league. And Jalen Brunson was that for them. He helped them immensely in the Jazz series in the first round when Luka was hurt. And he walks out the door of the Knicks now. Uh, you know, that's a that's a big loss. I think it is, you know, like I said, he's a good shooter, a good passer, and can really handle the you know ball du- on-ball duties when Luka has to take a break. And they do lose that production. They hope Spencer Dinwiddie can replicate it or at least help at least half of it, but Instead of having Dinwiddie and Brunson, which is a good one-two punch in the you know point guard or shooting guard, whichever spot, you only have one of those guys now. And so now your bench is a little weaker. You need another guy to step up, which is tough. But what the Mavericks did do was add Christian Wood. A big guy who played for Houston, really broke out and found himself there, was scoring 25 to 30 points per game. Really showed great potential and got traded out of there because, like I say, he's a good player, and so Houston wants to have, have bad players so they can get the first pick. But Christian Wood is a really quality you know, starter, I think, for the Mavericks here. Um, should help out Luka. Luka should help him out. They should kind of feed off of each other on offense. I'm curious how it'll work on defense because that's another kind of a hole when he comes to positioning. And I don't know what the Mavericks are doing at center, really. I'm not really convinced, you know, what their option is at center, unless they just kind of go with a small ball Christian Wood at the five. Um, they do have Dorian Finney-Smith, who's a really quality defender. Tim Hardaway looks to come back, who's a good 3 and D guy. Uh, maybe some young guys step up for them. But the Mavericks, I think, will be a team that kind of has to find themselves early on, especially on offense when Luka 
you know, Lucas kind of carrying the load and not figuring out wh- when the spots are to get Christian Wood the ball. Um, when you don't have a when Spencer Dinwiddie has an off night and you need him, Tim Hardaway has an off night. Reggie Bullock can't shoot for three sometimes. You know, there's just certain nights where I can see this team being like the ultimate win by thirty, lose by twenty. But I still think they're going to be a quality team, and I still think they're going to be, you know, pushing whichever team they play in the first round to like seven games to maybe winning the series. You know, I I do think their defense is good. Like I just the Mavericks, I think, are a really solid team. And the next team I got is the Memphis Grizzlies. So the Memphis Grizzlies, if you recall, are the two seed from a year ago. They got all of their talking out. They were they made sure to showboat and do all the good stuff that teams love to do in their first year when they really taste victory. And that's for good reason. Like I said, they were a very good team. They were the second seed in the West. No small feat. Um, John Morant was unbelievable. Jaron Jackson was a defensive star. Um, Desmond Bain was most improved player in my eyes. Um there's just a lot to like about this team. Brandon Clark there, I I mean, there's no reason to not like the Memphis Grizzlies. I really don't think there is. Besides if you think they're cocky or not, you know, or a Warriors fan. But as a basketball product goes, I think the Grizzlies are as good of a team as anyone. Like, I think any of these teams can make an argument for being the one seed. I just have them in this order, and the Grizzlies just happen to be last because I see some regression from them. Uh, you know, I just Desmond Bain. I don't know if he'll improved as, on what he did last year. I can see him kind of peeking out at that. Um, Tyus Jones might, you know, might not play as good as he did last year. Uh, John Morant's kind of, I don't want to say he's an injury prone player, but he wasn't healthy for 70 games last year. And the Grizzlies, the Grizzlies record without John Morant was like unbelievable. It was like 20, 20 wins and like single digit losses very uncharacteristic for a team to when they lose their star. If John Morant misses any portion of time, I could see that, you know, being a big point of regression where they lose more of those games than they did last year. But you know, the Grizzlies are built like a really deep team. Um, they're all still really young. I think that's the thing about them is they might have Clippers level depth, but they're all just young guys. And a lot of those guys probably have to learn on the spot. Um, Zaire Williams from Stanford, their first-round pick last year. Um, you know who the kid they drafted this year will have to learn on the fly. A lot of the guys will have to kind of step up into these roles where you weren't expecting them to last year, but now they have to. So we'll see how that goes. But I do think John Morant, his trajectory is you know best player in the league to top five guy, and he was last year when healthy. And so... If he can bring back even like half of his production last year, the Grizzlies will be a comfortable playoff team. Um, but for now, I just I have them slotted in at the sixth spot. And then these are two teams that I could see either being booming or busting. And I think the Pelicans are like they have the best potential out of any team in the West because last year they pushed the Suns to six games without Zion Williamson, and they were still young themselves. Herb Jones was a rookie. Jose Alvarado was a young player who finally got some action, Was showed really good promise on defense. Um, Trent, Trent Murphy was a good player on the wing. Uh, you have 
Brandon Ingram, who really came into his own. CJ McCollum's a really good veteran. Um, you know, Jackson Hayes looks to be better at center. Valanchunas is a really quality starter. And then you put into the fold Zion Williamson, who missed all of last year with his weird injury that wasn't an injury. He was fat. <laughs> Zion Williamson was a fat player last year. And he finds himself now trying to come back and be, I guess, a leader of this team, a star of this team. I think he saw the light where it's like, maybe this New Orleans team isn't so bad after all. And he signed the big extension and looks to come back in the season healthy. He averaged 27 points last time he was. He was an all-star. And, I mean, if he brings back that production, there's no reason for him to not be that guy. And Zion Williamson will be a crucial piece to this Pelicans roster. Like I said, they, I think, have the most potential to be like a top-four seed in the West. But we got to see how it plays out. We got to see if Zion can stay healthy because that is a question mark now. But I do love Brandon Ingram. I do think Brandon Ingram will make sure they're even at least in the play-in game. So, yeah, like the Pelicans for the seventh seed here. And then the T-Wolves. The Timberwolves were a team that finally needed to make the playoffs, needed that experience for a lot of young guys, and they did it. They finally did it. Um, they should have beaten the Grizzlies, honestly, in the first round. They, I mean, they dicked around a lot and kind of blew some games there. Some bad games they blew, but Anthony Edwards showed he can be a star. Cat, and Cat was a star and then a dud in multiple games, but, you know, he was as, I think, probably as nervous as anyone and probably his first real action as the number one guy because Jimmy Butler, when they were made the playoffs the first time, they were just not a team that should have been there. Um, but, you know, this year they felt like a team that was healthily in the mix and a team that won multiple games because of these really good role players and really they're young stars. And, you know, coming into next year, they should have higher expectations now. And the thing is, they made a big move, a big splash, and traded for Rudy Gobert from the Jazz. And this has to be one of the best front courts and the most interesting front courts at the same time because Cat and Rudy Gobert, two top five centers, I think. Rudy Gobert is an unbelievable defensive guy. Offense is less to be desired, but defense is, you know, otherworldly, probably one of the better ones of all time. Cat um, is perhaps the best shooting big of all time. Really good on the perimeter, can handle the ball well. And then you have the, like, the guys like McDaniels, um, who looks to make a step. You know, Anthony Edwards, you want to be your leader, I think. He can be a superstar in this league. You know, you hope he really is good. But D'Angelo Russell, I think, is the one piece that holds them back. He's just not a consistent player. He's not what you want to be paying $30 million. Alien four and the production he has is just it's not good enough. It's not good enough for a team that wants to be a top, you know, six six seed in the West because that's the expectation now. They were a playing team, just barely, you know, the seventh seed, you know, they were pretty comfortably the seventh seed, but they want more and can't blame them. And I don't know if D'Angelo Russell can take them there. But those two teams, I think, like sneaky, watch out for them, and they have unlimited potential, I think, this year. And then you have the Lakers. I have the Lakers there. Just, you know, the Lakers, I think you have LeBron and Anthony Davis. And I think that's enough to win you a ninth place level of games. Uh, 
the rest of the roster is really not good though, guys. I mean, a lot of budget guys, a lot of guys you're coping are like Malik Monk last year when you pick them up for five million, two million here, and he ends up being one of your five best players. Um, you're hoping Russell Westbrook embraces this role where he's just a distributor and plays at least one fifth of his defensive capabilities. He hasn't been good. They obviously want to get rid of that contract, but people want the picks from him, and they don't want to give him the picks. So can't blame him. I mean, there's no reason for them to not get picks and just get Russell Westbrook when he's, like, not a good player anymore, you know? Just a tough reality, but that's just the truth. And, you know, like I said, I just LeBron, I don't think in this 30, 38, I think he can be a good player. Can he will this team to wins with the roster this is? No. This this is, outside of those Cleveland years, one of the worst rosters you can have imaginable. And, you know, 10th place is a team that I think people would be shocked to see here. However, I think Portland, Portland just hasn't made any moves. I don't think Portland's made a positive move in four years I, I every offseason i i don't think they've made any moves that have been helpful to them since the bubble damian lillard is wasting away his talent in his you know 30s there portland's just not a good situation um i can't see the thunder making that jump quite yet the spurs are bad um i can't even think of the other teams the Jazz probably going to blow it up here, and that's why I don't. I'm not even mentioning the Jazz because Donovan Mitchell might be on the way out any moment this year, and so I don't buy anything about Donovan Mitchell. The Rockets are looking to be awful this year as well with the Spurs. Um, those are, those teams are all just really irrelevant, and so this is why I think this is a surprise pick for the tenth seed here. And I think any of these fans on this, you know, this team in the city would be more than happy with this finish. And that's the Sacramento Kings. Having the Sacramento Kings here is a spicy take, and I'm willing to stand by it based simply off of the fact that I think that this team has enough NBA talent to pass those teams that I mentioned earlier that are all you know, not good teams, but... I think they made quality moves. They signed quality players. And frankly, the depth isn't fantastic, but it, it could be so much worse. You know, um, De'Aaron Fox is still there. De'Aaron Fox, I think, you know, being he- healthy will be big for him. Um, I think he can be the starter, you know, to lead this team really to the playoff, make a playoff push here. They traded for Kevin Herter from the Hawks, who. You know, Sneaky, I think, is makes all the right plays. You know, if he's shooting bad, then I think he's at least playing defense well. He's a good dribbler, at least a little bit. You know, he does everything right, and on top of that, he's a really solid shooter. They have Harrison Barnes at the three, who I think has proven in this league is a quality starter. Not probably like the most average, like 15th best player or 15th best small forward in the league, which is more than fine. Power forward, there's a little bit of a hole here, but if you slot in Keegan Murray, and Keegan Murray, I think, has an above-average rookie year, I I think that's the biggest wild card there. If Keegan Murray has rookie of the year type production, 
I think the Kings are right there in the mix for the 10th seed. And I said, I think that's like a Super Bowl basically for the Sacramento. And I just, Keegan Murray, I think, showed a lot during Summer League. He was the Summer League MVP. And many people like kind of shit on the pick when it was made and they didn't take Jay and Ivy. But when you look at the depth chart, Keegan Murray makes a lot more sense than Jay and Ivy. You know, he's a multiple combo forward where Jay and Ivy's another point guard. And they drafted Davion Mitchell last year, who's, I haven't even mentioned, he's is a really good, I think his production at the end of last year was really underrated and really the growth that he showed was huge. And they kind of bet on Mitchell when they trade away Tyrese Halliburton to the Pacers for Sabonis. And we know who Sabonis is. Like we, we know he has all-star potential and helped the Pacers out many times and is really good on offense, nah, on defense. But, you know, he's he's a solid second star on this team compared, you know, with De'Aaron Fox, even though he is the one that has made all-star games before. But like I said, Davion Mitchell is the – Davion Mitchell and Keegan Murray are the two most important pieces on this team to make the playoffs. If they play, I think – if they show the growth and play to that level, I think they can. I don't see why not. This team can't you know, pass those teams I mentioned earlier. Portland, I think, is the only team that can give them trouble, and that's only based off of Dame. I have no faith in any other pieces on Portland. I just don't. Like I said, they signed away Malik Monk from the Lakers, who's due for a 30-point game every like five or seven games. Terrence Davis is a solid D, 3 and D. Rashawn Holmes is a good backup. I think maybe one of the better backups in the league. But, you know, that's just that's a number of guys that I think are really in the running for being, you know, at least quality NBA players. And Sacramento is one of those teams where they, don't, they haven't had a great history of that with the past 20 years. They've had a lot of guys that are really below average to awful starters. And I think this starting lineup, when you look at it outside of the rookie, who obviously will be bad to start because he's a rookie outside of him, this is a good starting lineup. I mean, Trey Lyles could potentially start over Keegan Murray. And that's, I think even, you know, a better situation maybe for him and his growth. I don't know. I just, I like what I see when I look at the Kings like depth chart and kind of what they've done for a team that's like really always looked like they've blown it up and are a lottery team forever, they made a ton of moves that I think really are, I think really are just good moves. And if you're going to try and be the team that just pushes for play-in spots year after year in the eighth seed, I, this is a roster that looks like that. And if they grow together and kind of, because a lot of them are not really in the prime of their career. And so they grow together. Maybe you can see a team that, is competing at least for a playoff spot year in, year out. For once, I like where the Kings are going, and that's a very unpopular opinion probably, but nonetheless, I think it's accurate. Ooh, and so that's that's the Western Conference kind of for you in a nutshell. My way too early. There's no reason to put any backbone into any of this because, like I said, we don't know where Kevin Durant's going. I think there's still a second wave of free agency that's going to you know, be yet to hit. But as the roster is staying right now, I think we can make these projections because we're a month out from training camp. So way too early stuff here. And I was going to do both conferences, but this ran way longer than I thought. So I'm just going to have a, have a shorter show, way shorter show. Um, come back tomorrow with the East 
you know, have some good takes on that. There's a lot of teams interesting to talk about there, kind of where they slot in. But yeah, that's the West for you. I think the West, like I said, very top heavy, but still some very quality teams that are, I think, finals contenders. So with that, we're going to finish with MLB scores. Um, a couple ones that are just about to finish up here. Uh, no games are, you know, under the fifth inning, so should get some at least close to results. Um, the Rockies are absolutely blowing out the Cardinals 16-5. to And fun fact, I saw a guy, it was tweeted out where Caesars Sportsbook tweeted that a guy, I think, put 250 $248,000 on the Cardinals' money line tonight. <laughs> and they were down 12 to nothing in the third inning. Well, the Rockies are up 16 to 5 now, so safe to say $248,000 just got set on fire. So tough for that gentleman. I'm sure he's having a beverage or two. But I'm sure he has so much money. It's kind of like FU money. So nonetheless, not good to lose that much, but. 16 to 5, Rockies are up looking to close this one out. Angels are up 4 to nothing. Um, I think they're not wasting a Shohei Otani start, so that's pretty cool for the Angels. And the Diamondbacks are up 2 to 1 over the Pirates, so that's a close game. In Arizona, Padres are up 3 to 1. Juan Soto got his first home run as a Padre, so big news for them there. Good to see him get on the board. Um, the Dodgers are up 6-1 to one over the Twins. Dodgers just a well-oiled machine. And the Yankees and Mariners having a good old pitcher's duel here. 0-0 zero zero in the 6th. So cool to see that. Um, some scores that are final. Basically the rest of the league here. Royals beat the White Sox 4-2. The Phillies beat the Marlins 4-1. Orioles beat the Blue Jays 6-5. Big playoff implications there. The Orioles are a half game out of a playoff spot. Has to get into the mic there because that's a big thing for them. But Orioles are competing. Very cool stuff there. Um, as I was recording, I was watching the Braves kind of try and blow this game. But however, they don't do it. And they end up winning in extras 9-7, to seven, something they don't do often. Uh, the Mets beat the AAA Reds 6-2. to two. The Guardians beat the Tigers 5-2. to two. Uh, White Sox had a doubleheader with the Royals, so White Sox win this game 3-2. to two. Uh, Nationals beat the Cubs. Ooh, a battle of the losers there. Um, the Brewers beat the Rays 5-3 to three in Milwaukee. And last but not least, the Astros managed to win over the Rangers 7-5. to five. Some good close games today. Really, really exciting action. And I think the Mariners-Yankees, that series is going to be a fun series here. So look on, look out for that score and kind of how that series is playing out. But yeah, without a, you know, like I said, that's really all I got for you. East is coming up tomorrow. Hopefully we get some more headline type news. But with that being said, make sure to share, like, sub- subscribe to the podcast. Do whatever you want to do. You know, share it out to wherever you can. Appreciate all the support and. Until next time, goodbye.